Hello and welcome to the Rugby Gods podcast. I'm John Keenan. No mai harimai. Today is October 28th and now let's talk some rugby. Alright, so this is going to be uh, a little bit of a special edition. Uh, it's going to be some blue sky thinking uh, from myself. Uh, so it's not really going to focus or it's not really going to have the same structure as I usually uh, have been delivering for you. Um, it's not going to be focusing uh, on the Mitre 10 Cup or you know previewing a match etc uh, it's actually just like a, a blue sky idea like a big thought um, that I guess I've just been having about rugby um, and yeah just I just want to share it with you and uh, see uh, what you think about it um, so yeah without any further ado I think we might as well just get into it so I guess just to provide a little bit more context there um, I have been doing uh, a, like a blue sky thinking uh, series of ideas I did quite a few of them um, sort of between like March and June, I guess, for the, the for sort of two or three months when, you know, rugby really was, you know, completely in the doldrums uh, with the coronavirus or uh, COVID-19. Uh, so, you know, at that time, there really just was nothing going on uh, in terms of, you know, the professional world of rugby. Uh, so, you know, basically I stopped kind of covering games and doing, you know, picks and predictions and all that. Uh, and I actually looked at quite a number of different aspects of sort of like competition formats, um, you know, and just, you know, different things, just sort of almost like rugby politics, if you will. Not too much politics, but, you know, definitely more, uh, you know, the game away from the field rather than on the field and, you know, things that, you know, could or should be done uh, around it. Uh, so, you know, if you want to try and find any of that, uh, it's on my YouTube channel, which I haven't really used now for about two or three months, um, but if you go and search the Rugby Gods podcast, I'm pretty sure you should find a YouTube channel, it should still be alive, um, and yeah, nothing will have been posted there for two or three months, but uh, you should be able to scroll down, there, there's about 50 videos there that I did between uh, sort of like January and June uh, uh, this year in 2020. Um, so yeah, uh, quite a lot of them are, you know, like, like the ones I've been delivering here over the last couple of months, pretty formulaic, uh, you might not be interested in them, but there is a playlist uh, for blue sky thinking, uh, and so hopefully you can check that out or just scroll through and find the, uh, the appropriate titles, uh, and they should be a lot more timeless, uh, and they will be a lot like what I'm doing right now, if, if you know what I mean. So if you like this podcast in terms of, you know, a big thought idea on rugby, uh, I do have plenty more of them, but they are over on a YouTube channel, which I've essentially mothballed uh, at present. Uh, yeah, so sorry to uh, ramble on there, but I think, yeah, that does provide a bit more context. Uh, and it's a bit more useful for you, I think, if you like what you hear uh, over the next few minutes. So, uh, let's get into it. Um, what I want to do is talk about uh, Super Rugby for 2021. So, at the moment, uh, you know, New Zealand and Australia are kind of playing hardball with each other. Um, I guess New Zealand has a pretty firm stance on wanting an eight-team competition. I guess they want an eight-team competition so they can do, like, you know, a double round, get 14 games in, in uh, you know, and then host, you know, basically quarterfinals or, you know, maybe even qualifiers, semifinals uh, and a final, if you know what I mean. So they can all but keep, you know, the Super Rugby, you know, the Super Rugby of, say, 2019 or even the Super Rugby that should have been in 2020. They can almost keep that intact uh, with an eight-team competition. 
Uh, like I said there, I think you know if you had a double round, fourteen games, and then maybe you know two and or three uh, weekends of finals. Uh, so, you know, a nice idea, uh, but obviously, uh, how do you get 10 teams of today uh, into eight? Uh, and then when you've also been pushing and kind of almost promising uh, pretty hard that you're going to bring in a Pacific Island team, uh, how do you get eight teams into maybe 11, if you know what I mean? It's starting to get pretty tough, uh, and it kind of means that, you know, Australia uh, would have to take a, a big cut there because it will be kind of a New Zealand run sort of New Zealand dominated kind of competition, um, you know, pretty much explicitly, uh, which kind of means that the five Super Rugby teams in New Zealand of, of now uh, would be retained. Um, if a Pacific Island team was also included, perhaps based out of South Auckland slash Suva, Fiji, you know, that's six teams right there. Uh, and then you're only really asking for two more from Australia, uh, which is pretty tough, pretty difficult and a bit of a slap in the face. Uh, for Australian rugby, you know, when you have, you know, five teams uh, playing at present uh, in Super Rugby uh, AU, and then even four teams in, you know, Super Rugby of, uh, like, the full Super Rugby competition of 2020. So, yeah, that is that is difficult. Uh, that is definitely hardball, uh, you know, by New Zealand Rugby or NZR. Uh, and, you know, Rugby Australia or RA, they basically just weren't interested in that. And, and you know, I think probably kind of fair enough. Uh, I think towards the back end of Super Rugby AU, uh, Australia or Australian Rugby certainly showed that they have at least two quality teams uh, in the Brumbies and the Reds. Uh, and I think uh, you could make the case that you know the Rebels looked pretty reasonable in that competition too. They got third spot. Uh, and you know even the Waratahs, you know they were certainly an underperforming Waratahs for that competition. And I think more often than not they would be better than you know where they finished, which was fourth. I think more often than not they would be able to compete and get up into third, maybe even second spot in that kind of competition. So I think um, you know Australia are showing or, or have shown uh, through 2020 and Super Rugby AU that they really do have you know three to four like legitimate Super Rugby teams uh, that can compete with New Zealand with New Zealand teams, uh, and to only ask them to participate with two uh, is wrong. Uh, obviously, the Western Force are a work in progress. They've, they were out in the wilderness, uh, quite literally, you know, out in the Western Australian desert uh, for sort of three years. And then they were asked to sort of come, come back in at, at the last minute and, and make up the numbers. Uh, and obviously, they'll be stronger for that. Uh, but they did kind of show that, you know, they were off the pace. Uh, so, you know, that is a little bit of an issue. Uh, and I think that's where it, the issue kind of lies at the moment. It's kind of like, well, you know, the Western Force... You know, you reintroduce them, they basically, you know, they played eight and lost eight, and they weren't really competitive in at least five or six of those games, and certainly nothing is really going to improve if, if you, you know, bring the Western Force over to New Zealand for games, you know, it's, it's only going to be that or more, um, you know, so, and then, you know, time zone issues uh, in terms of, you know, where the Western Australia is or where Perth is compared to, say, the East Coast of Australia and obviously New Zealand. So, you know, there's, there's quite a lot mounting up kind of against the force and they probably aren't doing enough on the field to, you know, mitigate those concerns. And that's sort of where everything is right now, right? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess the interesting spanner in the works is that, you know, the two best teams, the two strongest teams in Australia, clearly, uh, for 2020, are the Brumbies and the Reds. Uh, they look like the strongest team 
uh, in the full Super Rugby competition at the start of the year, and then they continued on and were the two strongest teams in Super Rugby AU, uh, the restart competition. So it's a little bit interesting, you know, if New Zealand was to pick or, you know, genuinely only pick or Australia was to agree and only take, you know, two Australian teams into the New Zealand comp, um, you know, you really have to uh, exclude uh, sort of major markets. Certainly you'd have to exclude the Waratahs based on what they've been up to for, you know, 2020. Um, and then you would also have to exclude like the Rebels as well, which is, you know, a big expansion market, a big sort of expansion potential, if you know what I mean. Dealing with a city of, you know, four or five million people in Melbourne, uh, you know, and you, you, should, you should probably have a footprint there, right? So, you know, like New Zealand rugby is, is certainly making it pretty difficult um, if Australia was to accept that eight-team model, uh, eight-team, I said, model, uh, which, you know, I don't think anybody is willing to accept. So I think the reality is slowly moving towards, uh, and also, you know, the Australian performance, uh, the Australian national team, that is, their performance, which is effectively, you know, the combined Super Rugby teams of Super Rugby AU, uh, was, was very worthy uh, in New Zealand. Uh, you know, picking up the 16-all draw uh, in Wellington, uh, just to inflict an even worse record uh, on the All Blacks there in Wellington at the Cape Town. Uh, and then, you know, kind of being handled, but, you know, still being in and around that game in Auckland, uh, you know, didn't get a couple of, um, they were certainly, it wasn't unlucky that they, I mean, it was, the right calls were made, but they were, they were unlucky in the sense that they just didn't quite make the play happen for themselves, uh, you know, in the second half there at Eden Park, which could have made, uh, you know, Bledisloe 2 a lot closer. So I think, you know, anybody objectively watching the two countries and, the, and those two games would say there's not a huge difference between, you know, top-tier Australian talent and top-tier New Zealand talent. There is more depth in the New Zealand game. I think that's quite obvious, especially when you look at something like the North-South match, um, you know, that New Zealand rugby put on. Uh, but uh, we can work with that. Or, you know, if we have some interesting or, you know, blue sky or, you know, a little bit of open-minded thinking, um, you know, Australia and New Zealand can actually work with that. So that's what I want to uh, explore now. Um, so what I want to talk about or what I would like to propose uh, for 2021 would be um, uh, an Australasian competition. So we're going to assume that, you know, the coronavirus, COVID-19, you know, stays at the levels that it is or even diminishes. And, you know, perhaps there's even a vaccine, uh, you know, like, say, by... Uh, February, March of, you know, 2021. That might be a little bit hopeful, but, um, you know, say four months from now, the situation with the uh, coronavirus in Australia and New Zealand is the same as it is now or less. Uh, and if that is the case, then there's essentially going to be no travel restrictions between the two countries, um, you know, and we can certainly play, you know, to full stadiums uh, pretty much everywhere uh, in, the, in the two countries. So, uh, if that be the case, which I hope it will be, um, or better, um, what I want to propose is a 10-team Trans-Tasman competition, including all 10 of the uh, Super Rugby teams that we currently have uh, in Australia uh, and New Zealand. So that would actually include the force as well. Now, what I want to do is I want to uh, rank them, or I basically want to put them into two divisions or... I think that's probably the best way of saying it. two conferences or two divisions. I, I don't really mind. Um, you know, I might interchangeably say both. Uh, 
but essentially we want to create like say a a 1A competition or um, I'm using the word uh, just to give it um, a little bit of branding I'm going to call it the Pacific Conference i.e. you know the Pacific Ocean you know being an ocean being like you know the biggest um, sort of phenomena if you will in the in the region uh, and then I want a 1B competition which I'm going to call the Tasman Conference uh, for branding reasons i.e. the Tasman Sea so you know but the trans-Tasman competition the sea separating Australia and New Zealand a smaller body of water uh, so you're kind of like the B competition you know the Pacific Ocean it's you know all-encompassing it's Asia Pacific if you will so you know uh, a 1A division or a 1A um, premiership you could say called the Pacific Premiership and then a 1B division the Tasman Championship I think that would be quite nice for branding reasons or you know for marketing reasons or purposes so uh, how are we going to get this you know 1A and 1B uh, and what is it going to be well with 10 teams you would have 5 teams in the 1A or the Pacific Premiership and you would have 5 teams uh, in the 1B or the Tasman Championship so how would you get that? Well, I think the only thing that we would need to perhaps agree upon uh, at the trans-Tasman level, the Australia-New Zealand rugby level, um, would be that, say, New Zealand takes precedent here, i.e. the number one New Zealand team like outranks the number one Australian team. And I think most people could see that. So uh, if you follow my logic there, uh, to get a top five, like a Pacific Premiership of, five, of the top five teams, you would have like the New Zealand 1-2-3 and you would have the Australian 1-2 uh, based on you know Super Rugby 2020 uh, performances or Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU performances. So I mean you know, how would you rank that? Well it would be like Crusaders 1, Brumbies 2, Blues 3, Reds 4 and Hurricanes 5. That's how you could get you know a top 5 you know, three of them coming from New Zealand or from Aotearoa uh, Super Rugby and two of them coming from you know, Australian or Super Rugby AU. Uh, that then obviously leaves you know, five other teams or five more teams for the uh, Tasman Championship or 1B uh, and you would rank that based on you know, 2020 performance. It would be uh, like Rebels 1, Highlanders 2, Waratahs 3, Chiefs four and force five so that would essentially be your you know your one b your, your other five teams so i think that's pretty reasonable um you know i think most people would probably agree that the hurricanes looked better say than the rebels in terms of you know splitting the difference on would you include a third new zealand team in the top five or would you include a third australian team in the top five i think you know it's pretty fair to say you know one two three uh, New Zealand and then 1-2 Australia for your Pacific Premiership, your 1A. So doing that, uh, what can you do from there? So you've basically got your 10 teams that played, uh, you know, the Super Rugby sort of restart competitions or post-COVID competitions and now you've got them into two pools of five, basically, or two conferences of five. So what I'd like to see from there would be you can play... Um, if you're a Pacific, champ, uh, Pacific Premiership team, you would play the other four teams home and away. So you would play double round um, against those teams. So that would be eight games. 
So, for example, if you were, you know, number one ranked Crusaders, you know, you would play the Brumbies home and away, the Blues home and away, the Reds home and away, and the Hurricanes home and away uh, in 2021. So that would give you eight games. Uh, on the Tasman side or the Tasman Championship, the 1B side, if you were the Rebels, kind of like the, the top team uh, in, the, in the 1B, uh, the Rebels would play, you know, the Highlanders home and away, the Waratahs home and away, the Chiefs home and away, and the Force home and away. So I think that's pretty understandable. Uh, but the next part is basically using what's right in front of our faces, which is the very successful template of uh, the Mitre 10 Cup and how that works. So what I would then do is have four crossover games whereby um, teams essentially pre-season, they negotiate their draw. So it's non-negotiable that if you're a 1A team, you play the other four teams uh, in the Premiership home and away. That's non-negotiable. What is negotiable is that you then play four crossover matches against championship teams. So um, if we just have a look again, we just take the Crusaders. Um, they would get to basically pick first, if you will. So let's just be a little bit theoretical here. So they have to play you know, Brumbies, Blues, Reds and Hurricanes home and away. And they cannot play them like a third time. So they've got to choose you know, four more games from the 1B teams. The Rebels, Highlanders, Waratahs, Chiefs and Force. So if you were the Crusaders, you get to pick first because you're basically, you know, top dog of the uh, Premiership, if you will, or that, you know, that's what we're seeding them um, as, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa champions. Um, they get to basically pick one Tasman Championship team to play at home and one Tasman Championship team to play away. So what would happen there is they have a look at those five teams and, you know, perhaps they're like, okay, well... Um, you know, we're happy to play the force away, like we don't need to play the force at home. We're pretty confident that we can go over to Perth and, you know, win away against the force. So, you know, we can pick up a win there and we can win away from home. So that's going to be our away match that we nominate. Uh, our home match, while well, we're looking at the Rebels, the Highlanders, the Waratahs and the Chiefs. Well, we don't want to play the Highlanders, you know, that's a little bit of a local derby, um, you know, it might be a tough match for us. We don't want to play the Chiefs either, we want to kind of keep away from the New Zealand teams, so we'll scratch them out. Um, so what have we got left? We've got the Rebels and the Waratahs. Well, you know, historically we haven't matched up that well against the Waratahs. The Waratahs have, you know, put in some good performances against us, whereas the Rebels are more of an expansion team, a younger team, and we've just totally dominate them, you know you know, by history or by historical record. So we'll take the Rebels at home. So, you know, the Crusaders get to basically pick first. They pick to play the Rebels at home in a crossover match, and they pick to play the Force uh, away in a crossover match. You know, then you'd move down to the Brumbies, and essentially the Brumbies would have to have a look at, you know, who could they pick for, you know, home and away games. So, you know, they might look, uh, you know, and they would, they would probably choose differently, right? So the Brumbies might look at, uh, through there and say, we don't want to play an Australian team at home. We want to bring a New Zealand team over, you know, bring them over to a cold night in Canberra. Um, so, you know, we're, we're choosing between the Highlanders and the Chiefs. Uh, we think we match up better with the Highlanders. Got a better record maybe against them. So we're going to take the Highlanders at home. Uh, and then they can look around and be like, okay, well, who else can we get there? Um, 
okay, uh, maybe we choose the force, you know, so maybe we choose the force at home as well. So, you know, the force have been nominated by uh, the Crusaders for a home game and they've been nominated by the Brumpies for an away game, i.e. the top two teams basically want to play, you know, the worst team in the competition based on 2024, right? Uh, you know, and so you just go from there, and so you just keep picking down. So the Blues would get next pick, the Reds get the next pick, the Hurricanes get the next pick, or basically, actually, the Hurricanes almost have no pick, right? Because the other four teams have chosen a home and away, and it kind of would work out for the Hurricanes that they kind of have to take what's left. And then you do the same uh, for the Tasman or the Championship, like the 1B teams. You know, the Rebels start off, followed by the Highlanders, the Waratahs, the Chiefs, and then the Force are. Basically, it's been picked for them, right? Like who they're playing home and away and, you know, who they want to play home and away. I believe it kind of works out like that. Perhaps the Force and the Hurricanes do have a, a modicum, like a small amount of choice because, um, you know, there are five teams you can choose uh, cross for crossover matches uh, and there is only four games, or, you know, that I'm asking, you know, to be crossover. So actually, yeah, in fact, the, the Hurricanes would have a very small amount as fifth seed in the top conference they would have a very small uh, number of teams they could choose from and the force would be the same they would have a small number of teams uh, that they could choose from but I hope you get the idea there so it's sort of like you know eight compulsory games inside of your you know tier one conference or your tier two conference your A or B you know premiership championship and then there's four crossover games which are actually basically negotiated or kind of like draft picked um, before the season starts uh, and that is exactly the model uh, that MITRE 10 Cup uses uh, in the New Zealand provincial setup. Like, uh, if you've heard me talk about, you know, on this podcast, the MITRE 10 Cup, you know there's seven games every week, you know there's 14 teams involved, but there's actually two competitions going on uh, concurrently. So there is a premiership of seven teams and there's a championship of seven teams. And, you know, everybody in the Premiership has to play each other once. So that's six games. And then there's four crossover games with the Championship teams. So, you know, if you're a top seven team, uh, you play each other once, but you actually miss out on playing three of the Championship or three of the second-tier teams every year. And that's fine. You know, that's great. And then inside of that, you know, once you get through your season, um, you know, you have semifinals and finals for the Premiership and the ultimate winner, uh, you know, a Premiership champion, but you also have semis and finals uh, for a Championship winner who then gains promotion to the Premiership the following year, which is, you know, the real carrot, right? Um, so, I mean, that would be, again, the system, the model that you would use in Super Rugby 2021. So, you know, uh, if you are to play, you know, the other, you know, if you are to play the other four teams uh, in your conference, that's, you know, those eight compulsory games, and then you have your four crossover games against the, the other, you know, either the step up or the step down, um, you know, competition or uh, conference, that's going to give you 12 games, right? That's going to give you a 12-game regular season, which I think is, you know, pretty nice. Um, you're not going to need to play buys, I don't believe, as well, because you're dealing with 10 teams, so you, every team can be playing. You know, you can make that draw work so that there's five games a weekend, uh, you know, going on. If you do want buys, obviously you could factor that in, uh, or you know you could play six rounds. The whole competition takes you know around seven buy, and then you play another six rounds, right? So you know maybe you play twelve games over thirteen rounds. 
uh, you know, you could you could play around with that whatever you want to do. Once you get to there, obviously you want to get probably a top three, so a top three in the Premiership, the Pacific Premiership, and you want to get a top three uh, in the Tasman Championship. And I think you basically use the Super Rugby AU model of um, the top seed basically has a, a bye week and hosts the final, uh, and then two hosts three as a qualifying final. The following week, the winner of that match plays one uh, at one's home, right? Uh, and then obviously, you know, the Pacific uh, champion or the Pacific Premiership champion is basically top dog of, you know, Super Rugby for the year. Um, you know, the Tasman Championship champion uh, is basically the winner of, you know, the second division. And what do they achieve? Well, they achieve automatic promotion to the Pacific Premiership for 2022. So there's quite, there's quite a bit of interest there, right? And then what happens? Well, I mean, you, obviously somebody has to drop out of the Premiership to, you know, retain five-team split, right? So I think what you would do is you would have, say, teams four and five in the Premiership, they're not involved in the finals, but they're involved in a, a relegation match. So, you know, seed four would play seed five at home in a one-off match. The loser basically gets relegated to the championship for the following year, you know, and their place is taken by the winner of the Tasman Championship. Hopefully, uh, you know, all of that, you can follow all of that. Um, I might, you know, write out a little bit of a, of a post and, and post it into, onto my Facebook page so that, you know, you can also kind of listen to this podcast, but also if you go to my Facebook page, The Rugby Girls Podcast, hopefully I'll have a post there where you can kind of follow um, my thinking, you know, in, in written form as well. So, you know, you know that's going to give you, you know, like I said, you know, 12 games and then, you know, maybe two weeks of finals plus a, you know, kind of like a promotion relegation match uh, between, you know, C4, C5 from the Premiership. So there's quite a lot of, quite a lot of interesting games going on there. Well, I, I think that's a really good, chunky amount of games um, for Australia and New Zealand to, you know, promote and sell to the broadcasters. Um, you know, it's going to mean that every team gets six home games. You know, they're going to play 12 and they're going to get six home games, uh, plus perhaps one or two finals, I guess, at one final. Um, uh, possibly so you know you, you're looking at probably six or seven uh, home games for your season which I think is fair or which is you know a good amount uh, for the franchises you know to make some money from ticket sales uh, and basically you know you're going to get that competition done uh, pretty much inside four months quite comfortably uh, because you know you might play say 12 games over 13 rounds uh, and then you know maybe another two weeks of finals so, you know, you really should be getting that kind of done in like 15, 16 rounds, which is, you know, quite comfortably, you know, it's probably three and a half months of comp. So, you know, if you're, if you're basically starting that, say, uh, mid-March, uh, what would that be? You know, like half of March and then, you know, uh, April, May, June. Yes, I mean, you should be finished quite comfortably at the end of June. If you start mid-March, you can finish basically, you know, last weekend of June which is very nice, right? I mean, that ties perfectly into, you know, using July, August, etc. cetera, uh, maybe for more uh, interest or like more high-performance games, such as the North-South, if you want to bid that in. Perhaps that could be an early July fixture. Uh, Australia could have something similar, like a city-country match or something like that, uh, sort of representative games, almost like uh, national trial games, if you will. 
uh, and then obviously you know you want to get into uh, you know touring you know uh, in July um, as well from the northern hemisphere hopefully that's something that can happen uh, and then obviously you know you also want you know to hopefully kick on with you know Santa's the rugby championship you know sometime in you know August September etc so you know totally doable and then obviously if you know you could also bring that forward to starting you know to a you know, like a 1st of March start rather than a mid-March start, or you could make it, you know, mid-February if you wanted to. Like, you know, you could bring it as, as far forward as you want, but, you know, at the end of the day, you should be able to get that competition done in basically three and a half months, play something like uh, 12, 13, 14 games. It's, it's a good amount of work for the players, um, and it's a, a good body of work to sell uh, as an organization or as a product. So, you know, hopefully quite a lot of that made sense to you or, you know, I would, I would love to hear what you think about that. Um, and then I guess the uh, final part there is um, if you set things up like this, it actually really opens the door to expanding the competition very easily. So uh, rather than, you know, like if you start 2021 with the 10 Super Rugby teams that we have today, you know, and then you uh, basically say 2022, we're going to have, you know, two more teams into the competition or maybe 2023, we're going to have two more teams into the competition. Well, those two teams can, you know, naturally basically come in as seed 11, seed 12. Um, you know, you can push like uh, one team across, uh, you know, to the Pacific Premiership uh, with no relegation that year. Uh, and then that way you've got six teams over uh, in the Pacific Premiership, and you would have you know the four you'd have four teams left in the Tasman Championship, plus your two expansion teams. So again, you'd have a six-six split for twelve teams. And what that would do is then you know obviously it would expand the competition. Like you'd have to play uh, ten games, uh, you know Premiership and/or uh, Championship teams would have to play home and away everybody else who's in their, in their division. So that would now become 10 games of home and away, compulsory. Uh, you still retain, you know, the four crossover matches. So you, you know, you nominate two, you get nominated for two. Uh, you know, and that's going to expand your regular season out to 14 games, which again, just is not a problem. Uh, and then obviously if you have, you know, six teams in both, um, both divisions or both conferences, uh, then you could think about expanding the finals to, you know, a top four semifinals, uh, you know, for both, uh, if you wanted to do that. So again, you know, you could create more finals uh, at the end of the season. Uh, so, you know, just everything works there. And all you need to do if you're like New Zealand Rugby and Rugby Australia is really just, you know, have a good look, have a good hard look at the Mitre 10 Cup and the model that's been used there very successfully, um, you know, and it, it really helps to moderate, um, you know, some of the stronger New Zealand provinces, i.e. the sort of like shell, almost like the big city shell provinces that are, you know, basically make up a, uh, a franchise at Super Rugby level, i.e., you know, the Auckland province is kind of the shell of the Blues, right? Uh, you know, Waikato is the shell of, of the Chiefs, you know, Wellington is the shell of the Hurricanes, Canterbury is the shell of the Crusaders, you know, Otago is the shell of, of the Highlanders, you know, so you have a lot of talent sort of in and around those, uh, those organizations or those provinces, uh, maybe not so much Otago, 
um, but you know it helps to moderate by having a premiership of seven really top teams uh, and then a, you know a championship of seven uh, competitive but lower level teams more rural or provincial uh, you know teams like truly provincial teams uh, away from the urban centers so again this model for super rugby has the same kind of benefit i.e. if you're bringing in two new teams to start up and start off uh, in Super Rugby, like some sort of trans-Tasman, you know, Super Rugby competition, um, I think it's a hell of a lot better for those teams to be playing each other home and away, playing, say, the Force home and away. Uh, it gives you actually quite a number of, like, winnable games, you know, to start you off in the competition. And you'd only actually be exposed to four games against, like, the top six uh, in the competition. Um, you know, so I think it and, it, and it gives you a pathway of promotion as well. So, you know, if you do start off strong, you come in, say you're like some sort of Fijian team, um, you know, playing primarily its games out of Suva. Um, you're almost like a Jaguares, if you will, uh, in the old Super Rugby setup. And you're almost, you know, like a, almost like a, a national team in drag, say, if they, they really, you know, pull back Fijian talent. Well, you start off in that Tasman Championship, that sort of B division. You're probably going to roll through that and look very good. You're certainly going to probably be a top top two in that in that uh, in that conversation uh, and then if you're good enough you win a semi-final final and you're, you're promoted to you know 1A or you're promoted to the Pacific Premiership you know the following year so there's a pathway there and then obviously if you start off and you don't have as many stars as you thought you would get or uh, they just don't play well together after being all over the all over the world uh, all over you know New Zealand Australian Super Rugby all over the European leagues uh, you bring them all back for a super group and they're not very good in the, f in the first year. Well, you're kind of limiting their exposure to the likes of the Crusaders and Brumbies, etc. So again, it's just good for the integrity of the competition. So yeah, uh, hopefully all of that is making a bit of sense to you. Uh, quite passionate about that, actually. Um, I, I just think it really is the right thing to do. Um, you know, I've been thinking about uh, an east-west split in rugby for a while in terms of like there being now an eastern hemisphere and a western hemisphere. Um, and, you know, it's pretty clear now that, you know, South Africa has, you know, South Africa at the uh, club level, i.e. basically the four, you know, high-performance South African Super Rugby teams have pretty much settled up with, um, you know, the Pro 14. Uh, which is going to be the Pro 16, I believe, right? With the, with the Cheetahs and Kings gone, but the four good, you know, high-performance Super Rugby teams, you know, filling their place. Uh, they're going to roll in and, and, you know, start playing club rugby in Europe, which is a great time zone for them, uh, and it's a good competition for them. So, you know, good luck to that. Uh, I'm just a little bit disappointed that perhaps it wasn't the three best uh, Super Rugby teams plus the Jaguares, if you know what I mean. I think the Jaguars have been hung out to dry a little bit there, uh, which is unfortunate for them. But, uh, you know, that is what it is. And, you know, good luck to uh, South Africa, certainly uh, South African Super Rugby teams at that level. Uh, I still think there's a place for the South African national team uh, to play uh, basically in the rugby championship and continue to be at an international level part of a Southern Hemisphere alliance. But for club rugby reasons, I, you know, I see... Um, you know, uh, South Africa and uh, Argentina uh, basically in a Western Hemisphere. And I see, you know, the likes of Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, the Pacific, Japan uh, in an Eastern Hemisphere. Now, 
you know, North American rugby is a little bit difficult there to, you know, would you say it's Eastern or Western Hemisphere? It's almost truly got a foot in both camps. Um, you know, obviously, if you were to give, you know, any kind of MLR that's going on kind of on the West Coast or like the West of America is certainly pretty Asia-Pacific, right? Uh, but anything that's kind of going on kind of based out of, you know, the, the Northeast and, and New York is, is kind of Atlantic and, uh, and it will be very much like West, Western Hemisphere. So, you know, I, I don't really know what to make of that yet. I, I, don't, I, th I feel like with MLR and what it's doing, it doesn't actually really need to be drawn into the, the sort of the shaping of, of, say, Tier 1 or like Tier 1 club competitions, Tier 1 international competitions. It can kind of exist as like sort of like Tier 1B uh, for you know, maybe the next five, ten years. You know, it could really strengthen and solidify that Major League Rugby competition as sort of like a third option or a third and or fourth option uh, for you know rugby, uh, you know, in the future, you know, you keep the European club club competitions uh, with South African involvement. Um, you know, you have a Trans Tasman Super Rugby competition, uh, which may draw, which should draw on the Pacific Islands and perhaps even Asia. Uh, you continue to have the Japanese Top League uh, as a third option, if you will, uh, and Major League Rugby as like a fourth option. So you know, hopefully that's kind of the shakeout over the next five to ten years is, you know, you have, uh, you know, th three, you know, three big leagues in Europe continuing on, Trans-Tasman Super Rugby, you know, Japanese Club Rugby, and Major League Rugby in North America. And I think that would be pretty great for, for world rugby as a whole uh, to have, you know, four legitimate, like, high-quality competitions geographically you know, spaced or geographically, you know, where they where they are or where they probably should be in the world. Uh, and then obviously if you, in the future, you know, perhaps in five years from now, certainly ten years from now, if you do, if you then want to bring in some sort of like world club challenge, if you will, where, you know, perhaps you're picking, you know, four teams from here, two to four teams from here, uh, from those four competitions, and you're basically making a, you know, a, a top 16 of club teams in the world, that would be a fantastic, you know, sort of competition. Maybe you know, once every two years, every four years, you know, to get a to get a true like world club champion, if you know what I mean. But um, you know, that's well off uh, kind of topic there. That's going truly blue blue sky. I think that's going into into outer space uh, in terms of the podcast for today. But uh, you know, hopefully you like that. So I mean, just to really recap quickly what I said there. Uh, I'd like to see for 2021, I'd like to see the 10 Super Rugby teams that were involved in Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU, I'd like to see them, you know, retained and integrated into, you know, one uh, Trans-Tasman competition of 10 teams. Uh, and I'd like to see like a top five ranked, so like basically the top three New Zealand teams, the top two Australian teams uh, in like a 1A division or conference, which I'm calling the Pacific Premiership. And then I'd like to see, uh, you know, teams uh, three, four, five from Australia and four, five from New Zealand uh, in a Tasman or one B championship, uh, you know, division or conference. Uh, everybody on those two conferences plays each other home and away for eight games, and then there's four crossover games uh, where it's essentially done by draw or kind of like by nomination, uh, like I described before. 
Uh, that way you get you know, the eight compulsory games inside of your uh, you know, conference, uh, and then you get four crossover games. That gives you a 12-game season, and then you, know, you finish off with, say, uh, a qualifying final between two and three, the winner of that playing you know, top seed at home. If you're in the Pacific Premiership, that means you're the overall you know, Super Rugby you know, Trans-Tasman champion, right? Uh, if you're in the Tasman Conference, you know, sort of like 1B, second tier, and you win that, then that gives you automatic promotion to the Premiership for the following season. Uh, you know, teams 4 and 5, so basically the bottom two teams in the Premiership, they would have a promotion relegation match to see who goes down uh, you know, in replace of that winning team from the Tasman Championship. So yeah, and then, you know, obviously uh, in 2022, uh, as it has been signposted, uh, certainly 2023, but hopefully 2022, uh, two more teams can be added to the competition, and they can basically start as seeds 11 and 12. Essentially, they are, you know, brought into the Tasman Championship, like the 1B level, uh, and then that basically just expands your season out to, you know, you play the other five teams in your conference for 10 games, four crossover games, or conference crossover games, uh, you know, that would give you 14 game season, uh, you know, going forward from there. Same idea, you know, in terms of finals, promotion, relegation, whatever. So yeah, you know, hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, it's starting to get pretty long. Uh, I didn't think I'd talk for 40 minutes on that. Uh, sort of just spitballed that. Uh, don't really have any links because, you know, it's just my, my thinking, my blue sky thinking. But yeah, uh, please let me know what you think or what you thought of that. Um, I guess please share it if you think that it sounded pretty interesting. You know, share it, maybe attach a little comment to your share and just, you know, say, hey, this is a great idea or this is an interesting idea. I, you know, like if, if you enjoy it, that'd be great for me. So, you know, please feel free to, sh feel free to share this content and obviously like it. Um, one more thing to do, I guess. Um, I do have a Facebook page like I just mentioned there. And I'll probably write a post, um, some sort of like Facebook comment slash post, um, sort of like writing out, um, you know, the the basics or you know the the like how I, how I've just explained this uh, verbally. Uh, so hopefully it's a little bit easier to understand as well if you're missing you know one or two points. So you know if you if you get to there, then can you please you know follow me and or like me uh, at that Facebook page, which is the Rugby Gods Podcast. Uh, you know, feel free to uh, you know, send me a comment, uh, send me a private message, whatever. All of that would be great as well. Um, yeah, so doing these podcasts on Anchor FM. Uh, like I said, I do have a YouTube channel, which I haven't used now for sort of about three months. Um, so, you know, feel free to go over there. If you're on YouTube, again, search for the Rugby Guards podcast. Uh, I might even have a link uh, to it uh, in the show notes of, of this episode. Uh, and then, you know, there's something like 50 episodes there. Uh, quite a few of them might be kind of dated uh, and, you know, might not really be that enjoyable to listen to or watch, you know, two, three, four, five months down the track. But there is a playlist called Blue Sky Thinking. Again, I might link to that playlist. And, like, those videos are very timeless. They're big idea thinking like I've just delivered here. So, yeah, please, uh, you know, check out that channel. Um... I'm not going to be doing too much with it in the future. It's a bit of a legacy channel, or it's a bit mothballed. Uh, maybe I'll do, you know, once a month I might post a video there. Um, just, you know, like a visual update of, you know, how I'm going. Uh, just to keep some sort of presence on YouTube. But I really want to use Anchor FM 
uh, and or Spotify and or you know, Google Podcasts uh, to get this content out uh, as, along with that Facebook um, page that I just told you about. Um, I am also on Twitter. Um, if you look up, it's not the Rugby Gods, though, or it's not the Rugby Gods podcast. I think it might just be the Rugby Gods. I think that's all it is for my Twitter handle. Sorry, I'm pretty terrible with Twitter. But if you do use Twitter, I think if you search the Rugby Gods, I think that's it, like the Rugby Gods, uh, I should come up there. There's not really much going on there, like I'm not commenting, I don't use it in my personal life, uh, and I'm not really using it for this, um, for this podcast. All I'm doing is kind of dumping episodes there from time to time, so you, know, you might not really appreciate it that much, but hopefully it will be something that I use more in the future, especially if you know, I start getting some interest or some contact from people there, uh, you know, I might try and use it more. Uh, so, you know, thank you to a couple of people who have, you know, tweeted me, I guess. Uh, you know, hopefully I will do some tweeting of my own, uh, not just, you know, podcast link drops uh, in the future. But, yeah, thanks for that. So, yeah, uh, just to recap that, all of that, just really, really fast one more time, please, the key thing for me is Facebook. Uh, just go to my Facebook page, The Rugby Gods Podcast. Give me a follow. Give me a like. That would be awesome. Uh, and please just share this content, you know, like share it from whatever uh, podcast platform you're listening. Uh, you know, please share it around with your friends, be that on you know, Twitter, be that on Facebook, be that on uh, you know, whatever other social media there is that you, know, you could do that. Uh, that'd be great. That's basically the best way of doing things, right? Like I can post things around as much as I want, but if it's actually coming from someone else and it's coming from a kind of like a trusted friend that, hey... I like this podcast, check them out. It's definitely going to help me a lot more than, than me trying to, you know, post into big generic groups, if you know what I mean, to try and grow my following. So if you have shared me at any time in the past, or you will in the future, then I thank you very much for that. Uh, because, you know, I'm just a small podcast uh, starting out, if you will. It's my first year. So um, what else to say here? That's, that really is about it. So thank you very much. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. It's a, it's a Wednesday. Um, I've taken some leave this week because it's my birthday, or it was my birthday on Monday, and I've kind of taken the week off from work uh, just to, you know, relax and think about things and just enjoy life. So, yeah, I've got a little bit of extra time, and that's why you're getting an extra podcast here. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much all I want to say. So yeah, I hope things are well in your world, in your life. Uh, I hope thing, hope good things are happening for you, and I hope you're doing good things uh, for other people. Uh, you know, stay safe. Hopefully, you know, uh, wherever you are, um, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19 is not too much of a factor, or it's at least being managed uh, well. Um, and, you know, like, hopefully, moving into the future, it's going to become less and less of an issue, and we can get back to a lot more normality. I believe, you know, already uh, we are, you know, returning to quite a lot of normality, but hopefully, you know, in another, you know, three months, four months, six months, uh, you know, certainly 2021 uh, will be a lot more of an improvement. But don't really want to dwell on that too much. Keep it pretty positive. So, you know, just thanks a lot for listening. Please share if you liked it, uh, and please get in contact with me uh, if you liked it. Or even if you didn't like it, uh, happy to be critiqued, uh, as long as it's not personal, as long as it's actually about rugby, uh, that'd be great. So yeah, signing off there. Uh, mate wa. I'll see you later.
Bye-bye.